You are listening to Connect, Inspire, Create, and welcome to the next episode. I am your host, Carol Clegg, your accountability and productivity coach, sharing tools and topics on how to focus on simply establishing the foundation of your business, focusing on mindset, management and marketing, and helping you track the progress. Our conversations include entrepreneurial journeys others have taken, marketing advice, and so much more. And now, on to the conversation. Welcome, everybody, to episode 107 of Connect, Inspire, Create. Today, we're going to be focusing on a different topic than I usually share with my audience, and I am so excited to have my guest joining me, Lamore Bergman-Gross, all the way from Israel. I just love the appeal of this international community and that we can connect. So welcome, Lamore. She has been working in the tech industry for over 20 years as a software engineer, an engineering manager, and a director of engineering. So she certainly knows what it feels like to be working in a very male-dominated world. And after spending nine years living in the U.S., she has returned to her home country of Israel and pivoted a little bit, it sounds like, to decide on focusing her passion for supporting women career growth in tech. But I know that there are going to be elements of this conversation that we're going to have that are going to apply to women generally. Um, so looking forward to digging into those questions. I am your host, Carol Clay. I work with women solopreneurs to find an effective accountability structure to help you make progress on what matters and unpack and teach you tech tools to support your business system. So welcome, Namor. I'm looking forward to let's just dig in to asking you a handful of questions just to let our audience know a little bit more about you. So let's start off with what's one thing that people would be really surprised to know about you? Really surprised. Uh, I think that people are surprised that I'm very introverted and I was very, very shy as a kid. I'm still considering myself introverted, but I worked on developing skills that will allow me to advance myself and my career and become more comfortable. So I do public speaking. I actually speak at a conference in May in Boston and I, I go live and I do a lot of things. But when I tell people, actually, you know, it's not my nature. I'm very introverted. A lot of times they're surprised. I can so relate to that. You know, are there certain tools or certain things that you do to give yourself that confidence to go, okay, I'm introverted. How do you step into that public speaking? Or is there a balance that you need to go, okay, I've done this. I've expended myself. Now I need a space. What Do you have a secret source that helps you with being introverted? Because I can relate to that. Yeah, I think that first of all, deciding that, um, assuming it's important for you. Uh, so I did decide that it's important for me to uh, share my voice. And I figured, you know, the best way would be just to start doing that. And I felt more comfortable doing that virtually. So I started doing that on like virtual conferences. It was uh, more comfortable for me. It's still, you know, intimidating, but more comfortable than going live, you know, uh, uh, which I'm doing, as I said, in May. So I think one step at a time, take 
a small step forward and put yourself out there and do it even though you don't feel comfortable. I, yeah, I agree with you, Dan. Sometimes just saying it out aloud to somebody that you're planning to do it, you're sort of holding yourself accountable. And those, taking those small steps are critical because if we get overwhelmed with the big project, yeah, the small steps are oh, the, the movement forwards. I think that's wonderful. I'd love to ask you, you know, as being, and we have so many different words to describe this, but I have been living in the United States for almost 30 years, which is a long, long time coming from South Africa as my home country. I know that you lived here in the United States for about nine years, you mentioned, mm-hmm. and then took that decision to move back to your home country. Love to hear more about that. I'm, I'm curious, how did that feel? How did that go? What were the obstacles? Because it's an interesting process to decide to return home. Yeah. So um, when we moved uh, initially to the U.S., we thought we were just going to move for three years, experiment and go back. And we moved with four very young children. So my oldest was six and a half and my youngest, the twins, uh, were six months old. And years went by, <laughs> you know, and three became four, four became five. And before we know it, you know, we spent there quite a while and our kids grew up. And uh, what happened was we always debated whether to go back or not, but we procrastinated. We did, and we never took a decision. And when my daughter started high school, I felt like it's a time to make a tough decision whether we stay or we go back because I thought if she st- if she finished high school in the US she'll probably want to study and go to college and her life will be in the US and yes I can always go back but I will not want to do that and and uh, leave one child <laughs> away from me so that was the main motivation also aging right. parents also aging parents um so we decided to go back at least for a while. We don't know for how long. Wonderful. Wonderful. And we'll tie that into a question because I know that you've mentioned you've been working remotely for so long. So that certainly supports that ability to be able to work from anywhere. But it is a tough decision and it is a procrastination that, you know, there's not the perfect answer. Um, Mm -hmm. We're sitting on the fence right now wanting to move to Portugal. Mm. And there's so much to give up here. Um, And, you know, our family matter. And, we did raise our children in a country without their family, without their grandparents and their cousins. Um, and that's quite a sacrifice. So, yeah, it's not an easy decision to make. Um, but we move forward. We move forward into the next season, don't we? Um, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Well, I know that one of the things we were going to talk about today is I loved how you described it as tearing down the ceilings and challenging women to think bigger, especially working in a male-dominated field. Um, So where do we even start with challenging them? I believe this is an area that you're now coaching women on how to manage. Yes, absolutely. Where do we start and, and what do we expect? So usually I start with identifying um, what is holding them back, their limiting beliefs. Uh, And it usually comes in conversations when they tell me, oh, you know, I cannot do that. Usually it starts with, I cannot. I 
do not have, you know, those kind of sentences that usually tells me, okay, that's a limiting belief. And that's where I start challenging said, what do you mean you cannot, you know, and, and, and we, we discuss different possibilities, what is possible, what they mm-hmm. can do, or what do they need to do in order to move forward? And, and a lot of times when I start asking those questions, they realize, wait, actually, actually, I, I, I can, I can. So it, it could be, it could be a, an environment that is not supportive with, with a manager that happens a lot, with a manager that is holding them back. And I say, okay, well, what can you do with that manager? Well, and then they start raising the options, right? Stay, move to a different team, you know, go to a different company, you know. And, and they see that, okay, there are options and it's now their choice. Even if they decide to stay, it's a conscious conscious decision. And, and then, okay, what can you do? What is your next step? We talk a lot about vision. Like, what's your vision? Again, it doesn't have to be something grand. It doesn't have to be something like for 15 years forward. But what do you want to do? Where do you want to be even in a six-month period? What do you need in order to get there? And when I start asking those questions, then they start seeing opportunities and possibilities. That's wonderful because you're kind of opening up that dream. And I love that when you say, you know, asking the questions, what can't you do? Because then when you verbalize that and you say it out aloud, I can't do something, and you're guiding them to start thinking, well, what can you do? Um, and it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't always mean that you need to leave the yeah. situation or the, the position that you have or the team that you're on, that there's solutions. Um, and I, it's just so interesting because I've been reading a book lately that talks about, you know, playing with the idea that we're not always right, that you can be wrong. And so when you say, I can't do something, it's exploring. Maybe you can shift that and take the can't out and put in the can. I can yeah, do this. That, yeah, um, and, and yeah. if there's one thing no, I can... If there's one thing I can I can kind of uh, give the, the audience here today is if you find yourself saying to yourself, right, things about like, I can't, I don't, mm-hmm. stop and think, okay, what can I do? What do I have? Just think not about mm-hmm. the negatives, but about the positives. And because usually we don't even allow ourselves. We don't even allow ourselves in our minds the possibilities. Right. Just to consider them, just to play with that that wonderful option of, yes, there is something out there. Um, The importance, I suppose, you know, you're doing this in in coaching people, but having somebody believe in you, is that not an important part of this this moving you forward and breaking those ceilings? Um, I mean, is it self-belief or is it, teaming up with somebody who believes that you can do this? That's a great question. So I think it starts with the internal first. You have to believe in yourself first before others can see that within you. Because if you don't believe in yourself, how do you expect others to? And you, even if you will try hard, the message, the nonverbal communication, the nonverbal message you will send to others is that you don't believe that you're 
capable. And I had a, a woman, you know, just I met this week that even with the with the meetings with me, she feels very kind of uncomfortable, even allowing herself to think, you know, to talk about things. And I said, well, you have to be convinced first because you will not be able to convince anyone else if you don't convince yourself. And then you have to think about, okay, who do I have to influence? Are they on my side? And um, the natural choice would be your manager. But sometimes, unfortunately, the manager is not supportive. So if not the manager, what kind of allies can you have? What kind of people can support you and advocate for you and help you? No, I, yeah, and I love that because I just sort of reflect there's many women, I think, who hit that stumbling block because of not believing in themselves, yet they are so capable. And one of the things I suggested to somebody the other day was to just reflect back on some of those accomplishments that you have done to reinforce that you can believe in yourself. Yes, absolutely. That you, you know, such an important starting point, as you say, because if you, you put that out, that negative feedback, if you don't believe you can do it and somebody could drag you along to whatever point it is, but you're not going to be able to go there. Um, you first need to believe in yourself. So I love that. And then the next step, would you say, is that where you might come in as their coach, as their partner to believe in them that they can take the next step? Is that something that you offer them? Yeah. So usually I am the person who challenged them and reflect to them what I do see that they have I usually ask them to think about strength and accomplishments and help build their confidence. Again, it depends obviously on the woman and how much reinforcement she needs from me, but that's what I try to do. I try to build their confidence to be their sounding board and to be there for them, to push mm -hmm. them forward and help them. They have to do the work eventually. I'm just the one that yeah, is that's opening such a, their minds. Right. The, the window, opening the window for them. I love that. I love that. And the more, I love the fact that you've shared you have worked remotely since 2016. And obviously that's helped facilitate moving around and being here in the US and then, you know, going back, back to Israel. Um, but, and things obviously have changed now in 2023. But if you think back, um, are there some fundamental areas that, need to be prioritized, that need attention when you're managing a remote organization? I know, I know that's a big question because there's probably a lot of pieces, but just some encouragement you know, to those that are managing remote teams at the moment and even those that are part of a remote team, how do we, where do we go with this? What are some of the areas that are so important to keep this successful? Yeah, so I started managing remote in 2016. I haven't thought it's possible, you know, back then. Uh, but it is. It is possible. It takes um, conscious effort, I will put it that way. Uh, the thing I think that is missing is building trust and relationship. That is harder to do when you're not meeting the people face-to-face, -face, when you don't have the opportunities for those water cooler conversations, for going out for coffee, for having lunch together, for doing things that are, you know, not just work-related. And, and you need to think about opportunities to connect, 
to know the people, to learn a little bit about themselves, about their lives, um, as much as they are willing to share, obviously, but try to be curious about your life, not just about work, work, work all the time, and try to find opportunities to allow people to connect virtually. So, for example, we used to have a happy hour every Friday afternoon, and it was like set in the schedule, and it's not mandatory. People who could could join, joined, and those who, who couldn't didn't join, but it was an opportunity just to meet and just chat about different things, movies, or what do you plan to do on the weekends, or whatever. I mean, different things that allow people to connect. I also use the tool uh, called GatherRound. I'm sure that there are multiple tools like that to do some um, virtual networking, kind of, you know, it, it has different topics you can talk about and suggested questions, usually not work-related. So it can be about food, about you know, whatever things that you want to help people open up. Because this is, I think, the area that is missing the most. And also you need to be conscious about reaching out to people and checking on them. Because what is missing as a manager, when you work in an office, you can just go and you notice someone, you know, you notice their facial expression, you notice that maybe they they have something going on, right? But when you're remote, you don't see that. So you need to make sure that there is a regular check-in, that you check how people are doing. I always insisted of having those weekly one-on-ones. I think that is... mm. Yeah, because we're human beings. <laughs> we have a need for each other. And as you say, it, it's not all about work. And I think if we we take care of the, the community aspect, the, the care of, of knowing that somebody else on your team cares and a little bit of space for vulnerability, um, you're building your team. You're building strength in your team. So yeah, no, super important issues. And I think very valuable where we are now currently with so many people now, you know, working remotely um, and missing certain elements of that office environment. So yes, thank you. Thank you for those words of wisdom to those that are listening that, that are working remotely. Lamar, I'd love to know what new project or what's on the books for you that you're excited about what's next can find out where listeners can sign up to work with you absolutely so so i i'm focused nowadays on obviously one-on-one coaching i am also doing group coaching um for women and because i think it's very important to allow women the space to share and a lot of times women need to see other women that are going through the same things. So usually what happens, I work with organizations that they want to have the opportunity for women to just share and open up and, and talk about different struggles. So I facilitate discussions on different topics, depending on the specific organization. It can be, you know, career progression. It can be imposter syndrome. It can be multiple things, influencing and negotiating different topics that usually women struggle with. And I also do different workshops um, on presentation skills, for example. I do workshops for companies that want to run internal mentoring program and anything related to leadership and management. 
Wonderful. There's certainly a lot out there and it's, it's fantastic because you know, I think companies are realizing that there are tools out there that they can help build their teams, nourish their teams, provide support for them um, and explore. So this is wonderful. I have your website, if I'm correct, it is your name, limobergman.com. So I'll have that in the show notes. And then do you have a a special, you know, or a favorite, I should say, uh, platform that you like people to reach out and connect with you on social media? Yes, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the way to go and find me and see what I'm up to. And I'm very, very personal there. I share things. And I share things that I struggle with because I believe eventually mm. people work with people and people like to feel, to feel comfortable to work with someone that is human, that is vulnerable, that has challenges, right? No one is perfect. All of us have challenges. So I'm trying to be as real as possible. I love that. Yeah, it's my favorite platform as well. And I'm loving that LinkedIn is now putting effort into growing groups on LinkedIn. So I think that, you know, that is going to be a benefit as we dig down deeper and and build our smaller communities there of trust and collaboration. So I have your link to find you on LinkedIn. I know that you're on Facebook and Instagram as well. But I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for sharing encouragement and wisdom with my listeners today. And to the listeners, I want to say thank you for listening to our conversation. If you have felt inspired or you can think of just the right person who needs to hear this, I'd love for you to share this episode with them. And I encourage you to step out and explore your own authentic way of connecting, inspiring, or creating this week that will bring joy into your world. 